Welcome to our podcast, We Got the Nod. A new and bold internet radio show designed for those who are on a conscious path of awakening. We are here to uplift and inspire you, to share practical tools and techniques to assist you stepping into your highest expression as spirit having a human experience. We will get raw and real, sharing kundalini yoga, music, poetry, and mantra, and so much more. Let us open our hearts and minds to our true potential, making the impossible possible, the surreal real. Let's begin. Welcome. Welcome to the first installment, a series of three live presentations with your host, Hari Ram, Charles, I'll speak more about names uh, later on. We'll start by, uh, by tuning in with the, the Adi Mantra, Ong Namo Gurudev Namo, you can join me if you like. Where do you do this? Rubbing the hands together, pressing the palms gently together at the heart. Begin. Suspending the breath. I love this word, suspension. Stopping time when we exhale, I can bow as you exhale. Namo, I bow, Namo, I bow to you, Kalpa. Perhaps the most simple direct, <laughs> who is that? <laughs> simple direct uh, translation of Namo, Namo is I name, we name, we we usher a specific name, as in worship. In every tradition, probably known to humankind, we've been naming our, our God, our, our prophets, saints, invoking their, their presence in some shape or form, at least invoking the, the thought, the feeling, 
yeah, of, of that presence, what it feels like for you. It's a unique experience for all of us. I'm so happy to um, present this series of talks for the next three days. We'll be meeting here at the same time, same channel, 5.30 Eastern time today, Sunday, tomorrow, Monday, and Tuesday. It'll be the third installment. And of course, yeah, we're going to keep these videos up on the YouTube channel in case you miss the, uh, the live presentations. But, and if you can, if you can join me for any or all of these live, by all means, please do, because we love, we love the interaction. And, and Sakirtan graciously has, has offered to help us with the, the correspondence. So for anyone um, responding in the, in the chat box there, I guess whatever device is either on the side, usually on the right side or below, you can uh, chat with me real time. So um, before I get into the, the first installment, so basically, I'm, I'm going to share three stories from my personal life, all of which involve two things. <laughs> On one hand, plant medicines. I would call them entheogenic or theogenic plant medicines, also known as psychedelic uh, plant medicines. All three ceremonies involved plant, psychedelic plant medicines. As well, all three ceremonies had another presence, which most of us know as Christ, Jesus Christ, the Christed one, son of God. Um, and I feel humbled to, to speak of the master now I feel reborn in Christ some 10 years after the last of those three <laughs> plant medicine ceremonies. <laughs> I'm a slow learner in some ways. <laughs> slow is good. So before I get into the first story, because they all happen, all three ceremonies happen in the space of relatively 13 months, so over a year, between 2012 and 2013, 2013. Seeing as this is the first, first installment, I want to give a little introduction and, and background, asking questions like why, why, why talk about ayahuasca and psilocybin and, and Yeshua, <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> uh, what's the point? Well, as the title suggests, the, the specific theme now with mm, my inspiration to share these stories is a movement. It, there is a direction here in all three. <laughs> Again, slow learner. <laughs> Had to repeat the, the lesson several times until I got the message. That is that Yeshua himself, the, the Christ, came to me in my hour of need the precise moment of despair, of confusion, deep confusion, even darkness, you know, to save me, to show me that I didn't take this, this route any, any longer, 
yet I did this two more times. <laughs> Tomorrow will be the second Tuesday, the, the third and final. Magic number, isn't it? Number three. <laughs> Trinity. The Holy Trinity. So a little background. I'm going to get the overground first, though, because this will help with the background. The What's developing right now in the world from, from our perspective here in Guatemala, Sakirtan and I have been here together almost four years. The majestic Lago Atitlan, high in Los Altos, high altitude, Guatemala. It's a vortex. <clears throat> yeah, so we've been here for the entire pandemic, just watching all of these plays, all these, uh, all these scenarios you know, being acted out on the, on the global stage. And what we're witnessing now, and I think this is, it's worth mentioning the, the pandemic, COVID, this, because of how that, and, and, and the, the, the lockdowns that ensued, the lockdowns and all the mandates and then uh, forced to wear masks. And, and then of course, the vaccines, um, mandates and so on. It was a big wake-up call for many, many of us. And, and in, in my case, in my case, humbly speaking, I would, if you had asked me up until just a few years ago to describe my, my socio-political bent you know, perspective, uh, I would have most likely said radical left, you know, liberal all the way. <laughs> My whole life, basically. Um, and then the shift happened. Partially inspired by, yes, Donald Trump and his uh, grassroots movement, which we know is now, of course, MAGA. And, and QAnon, to some degree, played a part in this. And I mentioned these, all of these, QAnon, Donald Trump, MAGA. Why? Because what I discovered is that these truthers, these citizens, patriots dedicated to truth and freedom and justice had all had one thing in common, perhaps above all else, uh, and that's Christian faith. You know? It's still very strong in the United States. Of course, it's one of the ways to define red state versus blue state, you know? Democrat versus Republican. The, the red states tend to be highly uh, Christian-based, uh, religious, you know, whereas the blue states, not so much, you know. And so all of these developments in, in magical ways pointed me back towards Christ, towards Christianity. And coming back in, in a more profound way, and the kirtan played a, also a crucial role in this in terms of worship. Um, one of the blessings with, with this reawakening, if you will, is the, the memories, the memories of previous Christ experiences in my life. And, and, and then I, I, I went back to these um, these plant ceremonies, plant medicine ceremonies, all three of which, just in the, in the space of a, about a year, brought me to a, a familiar place of 
of darkness and even despair. Yeah, even bordering on psychosis. And I'm, I, anyone who knows me, <laughs> so I, I do not have a psychotic kind of personality, normally speaking. <laughs> um, anyway, I'll, I'll get back to that. But again, coming more centered, more focused, more grounded in the Lord, in God consciousness, I am witnessing in my, in my thoughts, my memories, my dreams, visions, some of the most beautiful moments in this life. In fact, I can say the most beautiful moments, all in some way, direct, indirectly, involved Jesus Christ, Yeshua. You know, the type of healing moment when, when the tears just start to flow. There's no, they just flow. I, I could be sitting silent. I'm not, you know, sobbing even. Just the tears start to, and then maybe the sobbing too, like more trem, trembling, more that inner trembling that will manifest in tears, just washing down my face. And it's the most glorious feeling. It feels like a baptism, an, an anointing. Yeah? I'm being washed clean from the inside out and, and down my face. And <clears throat> profound. And going back still a little further, I just want to give, again, this overview, because I, I was not raised <clears throat> as Christian. My family was not atheist either. I guess you could kind of say agnostic or just lazy. <laughs> so my mother did have some connections to the you know, Christian faith and Jesus. Uh, we were the kind of family that would go to like a Christmas mass, you know, special occasions kind of thing. And I, I did go to Sunday school for a while. I still have some, some small memories from that time as, as a young lad learning uh, stories about Jesus and enjoying it. Um, so my connection, my connection with Yeshua started at a young age in, in Sunday school and, um, you know, stories I would read, maybe in some books, I wasn't uh, encouraged to read the Bible or anything like this, but, you know, Christmas time, of course, uh, the media would uh, bring Christ consciousness more into view in terms of uh, shows and, and you know, stories and such, and music, of course, Christmas carols and, and all the beautiful hymns. And I did have the opportunity a little bit later, still early or even pre-adolescence to join the local church choir for several years, along with my sisters. So that was really fun. And I remember it was, it was my piano teacher at the time who was also the choir leader. I encouraged us to join the choir. I, I enjoyed that. And uh, she and I developed a good relationship because uh, you know, I was studying pia piano with her as well. And, and uh, still later, musical theater. She started a musical theater group and we got to participate in that. And through this developing friendship, I got to, she invited me uh, 
out a few times, including uh, going to hear Handel's Messiah in a beautiful old church at Christmas time. Exquisite, right? The music, the full with the full uh, symphony, you know, and the choir, of course, the choir. Yeah, Handel's Messiah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, little bits and pieces, right? And and yet, you know, mm, not being encouraged directly to to study scriptures, or even to go to mass or anything like this, or or to be baptized. It's interesting. Because yeah. uh, as I got older and into my healing practice later, um, the thought of, of giving baptism became very strong, such that I, I did uh, on a few occasions while receiving um, clients in, in the forest of Quebec. So, so by the time uh, I was entering my, my teens, you know, post-adolescence, um, like a lot of uh, kids at my at that time, yeah, there was there was a lot of dysfunction in the family, as I said, which was kind of the norm. Was at least what I witnessed in you know other families. It was even being again reflected back through the media, different shows and stories that were being shared that way. And eventually, it, it led to my parents separating and, and getting a divorce. And it was it was not in any way a harmonious. No, it was it was an acrimonious kind of scene so it was very difficult uh, for all three of us myself and my two younger sisters to witness that you know, could, you know these things can often be long kind of process drawn out and very dramatic at times bordering on on violence you know <laughs> so so with that and other mm, issues coming up i i was and easily led to marijuana uh, around the age of 15. And, and then even LSD, I, I, took, I took my first uh, two hits. I had two hits of acid while I was just before turning 16. I think I was still 15. Uh, two hits of acid. And that was a big eye-opener for 15-year-old who had grown up, <clears throat> excuse me, had grown up in a relatively cocooned, protected environment, sub suburban, you know, upper middle class. <laughs> um, and here I am now, I've, I've been kind of more or less kicked out of private school, private boys' school, where I didn't really want to be anyway. <laughs> I kind of orchestrated that. And I'm finally in the public school system with, with girls, no uniforms. <laughs> I could dress however I want. I could wear ripped jeans and t-shirt. You know, I had this David Bowie shirt that I wore a lot. It was all ripped because I wore it so much. Um, and more drugs. Lots of drugs. It's funny because I didn't choose the school either. <laughs> my my father basically uh, chose this high school as, you know, I think it, was, it had a pretty good standard um, and I had to transfer from the private school. It turned out it was, it was had a, this school had a really good music uh, you know, presence, 
dating back to people like Neil Young. Neil Young went to the same school. And, and so there was still that carryover from the golden era, you know, of really good music and musicians at Lawrence Park. And of course, with that, some really good drugs too. <laughs> In fact, it wasn't long before I, I started uh, selling. <laughs> it was basically selling slips. Right? I would just roll joints, you know, and, and sell sell it by you know joints. Or I, I still remember it was, it was uh, one joint for two dollars, or three for five. <laughs> I was a pretty good young businessman. <laughs> And I wasn't going to class very much at the time. Yeah, so I had trouble with authority. This is worth mentioning too, in, in the background leading up to, you know, the three stories. I had um, my bio fathers, I like to call them Jim, <laughs> James. He, uh, he and I had um, a lot of issues and it, it always came down to communication. There, there was a lack of, there is his, Oral communication skills were limited in some ways, which is probably why he, he never really made it big as a, as a lawyer. <laughs> Lawyers depend to a large degree on, on verbal communication. You know, it's not just, and of course, intelligence being able to you know, diagnose cases and so on. Uh, but I also, of course, started displaying in, in high school, especially, you know, dealing, you know, small-time dealer, uh, a disregard for authority in the school. I was often in, in the principal's office for various, you know, issues. Um, and, uh, you know, I got into some trouble with the law, too. And so I didn't have a good regard for, for police officers at the time. Anything to do with authority, right? So as you can imagine, I've already come a long way, even further away now, from the Christian life, uh, except that again, my mother. I said that there, there's some essence of of Christ or Mary in her always, and her sister Sylvia, who played a a vital role in many ways in my spiritual development, especially the early development. Um, and like a lot of confused students, I, I ended up taking a the wrong course uh, after high school. I ended up dropping out of university. <laughs> I was in business school and hating it. Um, you know, trying to you know, follow that ambitious, uh, that male, like godless kind of like, I, I'm going to make it. So the ego, right? Ambition, success, you know, take the right. You know, I think that's the only reason I ended up in the, in the business program because it was, you know, printed on on my consciousness enough that success right means having the right degree, you know, getting the the good paying job, right? And and nothing really to do with with the heart, with our our passion, our our joyfulness, our creativity, right? Looking back, I was like, wow, <laughs> what what a con job! And of course, I was miserable then. So again, when I was in university, those last like months, weeks before uh, dropping out, finally, in my fourth year. Yeah, I was smoking hash almost every night. Okay, just to, to escape from that miserable, miserable reality. <laughs> so dry and humorless. 
uh, and it was hard work. Of course, it's always hard work when our when our heart isn't in it, right? It, it has to be. If your if your heart's not in it, if everything feels difficult, doesn't it? And when the heart when the heart is in the work, when we're, the heart is aligned, soul work, then all of that stress, right? A lot of it, at least a lot of the that hard work, right? The, the burden just disappears. It becomes it's a joy, you know, to create. And I'm happy to say this, that that's that's the 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 end game, right? and especially since meeting Sat Kirtankar, <laughs> now I'm co-creating my my highest vision in terms of the school of Nod and related services that we mostly do together. Um, my theater background also plays into it vis-a-vis -vis psychodrama and also just having, you know, the, the presence and, and confidence to, to sit here in front of a, you know, a live audience. Is anybody out there? Amrit <laughs> Prem is with us. Amrit Premkar, welcome. So, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to the first ceremony, the first miracle um, soon. So I'm going to try to keep these talks relatively you know at least within 90 minutes okay <laughs> okay so i'm kind of i'm almost back to the present or at least getting to <laughs> it's hard it's really hard to condense huh condense <laughs> especially when you have 60 years now yes i'm, I'm celebrating today and well yesterday was the exact day of uh 60 years 60 years, can you imagine? That, that's, that's an accomplishment, just <laughs> still be alive and, and relatively you know, <laughs> mobile and uh, with good faculties at 60. So I'm, I'm happy for that. And, and I'm happy to share now, because yeah, I, I feel like I, I've gathered quite a bit of, of experience and wisdom along the way. And also because I've taken chances, I've taken risks in life. I, I just, I'm not the type of person that can settle, you know? It's like I was saying about the job, like how, how can, I don't understand how anyone, because I, I tried <laughs> to work at a job that, that you don't like. <laughs> it seems so preposterous and yet so many people are still doing this. And, and then, of course, we, we want to bring as much of our joy into that imperfect job, yeah? Do what you love and or love what you do. Bring that love, you know? It reminds me, actually, of, of the Gospels, again, the Gospel music of the South that touched me from a fairly young age. You know, even though I, wasn't, I didn't grow up in the States, I was in Toronto. I, I, being in a big city like Toronto, I, was, I had access to all kinds of media and so on and music as well, good music. The, con the connection just came to me from the cotton fields w when the slavery was still in place, um, or even after, of course, that the, the singing, right? It's brutal work, whether, you know, as a slave or just, you know, a plant plantation worker kind of, it's brutal. I think uh, the, the plants are, are thorny and, um, it's not easy to work with. One has to bend over all the time and pick, and it's it's not it's not fun, right? So 
they were singing. And I got this from an old Laurel Hardy film, actually. And it was so beautiful. Because it wasn't, you could tell that it wasn't made up. You know what I mean? Like, this is exactly how it was, right? They sing. Of course, it makes sense. And what are they singing? They're singing uh, worship, basically. Songs of worship. <laughs> and that's how they get through the labor. You know, so... So don't get me wrong, like when I talk about you know only doing what you love, right? Because it's I, I have total respect for those who do the hard jobs, who are doing the jobs maybe they don't feel totally, you know, <laughs> aligned with the soul level and still putting all of their heart and soul into that labor. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful sacrifice, isn't it? So and we're gonna talk more about sacrifice <laughs> over the next three uh, sessions. Um, so I hope you're saying this pattern, like where Christ and, and Christian uh, practices are always kind of coming into my life in different ways, including later after I'd already started my my career as a, as a shiatsu therapist and, and then yoga teacher soon after uh, discovering the A Course in Miracles, which according to the source is, is channeled from Jesus. Um, it's been translated into many languages, never advertised. And it was helpful to me. I didn't I didn't do the entire course, but I got I got the essence of it. I was also I also had the opportunity to attend some weekly meetings with other people who were, you know, really into the Course in Miracles. That was their their Bible, really. You know, I mean, some of them probably probably the same uh, reverence for the Bible as well. Some, some key lessons for me, one of which is, is how, I, how I define A Course in Miracles in one sentence, quoting the Master who said, Seek not to change the world, rather seek to change your perception of it. It reminds me of a song, song. maybe I'll <laughs> share, let me, see. let me see if the guitar is in tune, because I wrote this song, I composed this song back in 2006 about a young woman right, who was, who was, um, didn't show much kindness. She had this pouty look on her face. And the, and the song, the original song is called Pout, Pout, Pout. Uh, and then just recently, it was Psych Kitchen, my witness, I, I rewrote the lyrics basically for, for Yeshua. And the reason I I mention it now is because it, it's a good illustration of that shift that the, the scripture speaks of. Instead of changing the world, change yourself, change your perception. We don't have to change the world. We can't really. Right? We can only change our perception, how we, how we interact, how we relate to the world. And of course, for, I mean, for us, the only real way to, is total surrender. It's trust. Trust is God. Trust in God. Trust. I know that trust is God. Surrender is godliness. You know? It's the most profound thing, really. It's to total humility, total bhakti, devotion. Yeah. So this song, I did. I kind of did that. The same thing because. The original song is I'm I'm asking her to change really. Like, um, 
she has a pouty look on her face. You know, she's, she's, she looks sad. So I'm taking the, the perspective that, that I'm fine and she's the one <laughs> who has to, you know, release that, that tension, pain and so on. And then Yeshua comes along and helps me to, to shift it. So, well, this is, you'll hear. Because <laughs> now it's about me changing my, per my perception of things and, or you know, taking responsibility, personal responsibility for, for that. Pout, pout, pout. Well, that was the original. <laughs>
Solomon. Call the name. Just call the name. <laughs> keep going back to that too. Namo, I name, I name. Who are we? Who do I wish to name? How does that name make you feel? Hmm. That's a very good clue right there. And the psychiatrist feels the same way. When, when we chant the name Yeshua, Jesus, the, the nod, the vibration is tangible and real. It's unmistakable, almost instant. <laughs> and it can grow, expand. So, and I got, I got a little in, insight uh, there while chanting towards the end that uh, I don't have to give the entire background now. <laughs> In this episode, I can give it a little bit here, a little bit tomorrow, and some more on, on Tuesday, because I want to get to the, the ceremony. <laughs> so fast forward a little bit. <sighs> okay, tomorrow, because this is, this is an important part of it, but I, I'm going to end, I'm going to save this part of the story, the background, for until tomorrow, so we can get to the good stuff in a, in a way the the jesus story although this story involves yeshua too uh, which is my first what i call my first awakening or rebirth chapter 96 i'm gonna put that on hold and, and not to you know, <laughs> to you know <laughs> give any more incentive to join me tomorrow just for time purposes and fast forward again 2012. Mm -hmm. 2011, 2012, very challenging time for me. Um, I could even say that there was a, a slip, not for the first time, back into some semblance of the long dark night of the soul, which can be horrendous. Having, having had this awakening, the one that I will speak to more tomorrow, Back in 96, so many miracles. Yeah, it's, I can't really even encapsulate it. Um, followed by at least eight years of pure joy and, and expansion, creativity. I, that's when I started playing guitar and composing songs. It's many things, uh, many beautiful synchronicities. So to come out of that, to, you know, in a, in, a, in a sense, to go back you know, to the the depression, the, the dark night, the soul, can be so demoralizing and, and in, in some ways more so having already, you know, come out and experienced that, that release, that amazing release of freedom. So happy to say in 2011-12, it, it it didn't go to the depths, the same depth. So, but still, it makes sense then. And of course, there's all this talk. If you, I'm sure we all remember the Mayan calendar, the end of the Mayan calendar, calendar 2012, right? Some say that they, they, the dates are a mistake. <laughs> Whatever the case, you know, it was a profound time. So, looking back in retrospect, it, it makes sense that. I would have been drawn to plant medicine ceremonies because just to be clear, while I, I have partaken in different plant spirit medicines 
ceremonies over the last couple of decades at least. Not very many, few and far between. So even to have those three, these three that I'm going to speak about in, in a sh relatively short space for me, which is like 13 months or so, uh, is quite a lot. You know, and this is what I recommend to anyone who's listening <laughs> right now, maybe starting out on this type of path, is to give yourself as much time as you need, and then some, right? After, after the, the ayahuasca experience, psilocybin, right? Integration is so important on every level, physically, mentally, spiritually, because these... Uh, most of these plants are poisonous. <laughs> that's why. That's why they have such a profound effect on the on the body, and the mind. They're toxic. There's there is a level of toxicity, and some people will argue about that. But the point is that the, the physical body needs time to recover and to, and to heal from that, you know, and the purging that comes. Right? Yeah, purging is good when when that's good <laughs> so yeah so here i am now it's it's 2012 okay mm. i'm living actually off the grid in quebec <laughs> i have a i have a cabin a chalet a beautiful a-frame uh, deep in the forest of quebec with a wood stove uh, a propane tank for my uh, cooking stove you know pretty basic and uh yeah, yeah, chop wood, carry water. Yeah, that's, that was my life there because uh, there was no plumbing either. Uh, I had an outhouse and um, for water, I had to go down to the, the uh, spring. Like, you know, I was blessed to have uh, spring water nearby in a beautiful pond. So wash where I could just take a bucket to the pond or two buckets and, and run back up to the house <laughs> carrying water. I did that and... I was chopping a lot of wood because it gets cold in Quebec. <laughs> even in the even at, uh, summer nights can be cool there, certainly the fall and spring. So I was chopping wood, carrying water, and um, in many ways, this, this was the first time in my life that I got to really experience this type of life, um, living more in a primordial way you know, I wasn't I wasn't hunting I wish I I wish I had had those skills because it was it was good hunting in that area good game including moose you know and I, I, I did a little bit of gardening but it wasn't the best place to grow food and I just yeah and I, again I didn't have that uh, training growing up certainly had friends who were growing their own veggies and such gardens so I, I did learn about some of the basics. Uh, besides that, though, I was I was uh, off grid alone a lot of the time when I wasn't having friends or clients come for retreats. With incredible stars, you know, the Milky Way is billions. Because on the dark nights, it's be complete darkness, and the stars would be so bright. Attracted ayahuasca like a lot of places, and uh, in you know Canada, the States, Europe, of course, the medicine at this time was traveling far and wide through the world, through various holders, various shamans, if you will, medicine people. In this case, there was a, a lovely medicine man, originally from 
Belgium, who who is coming to Quebec for period of a few weeks to, to do ceremonies, to offer ceremonies with his lovely entourage. They all travel together to he has some really beautiful souls. So uh, my intuition was right. They, they, they were a certain standard, I would say, because uh, I got to meet in some of the people in the entourage during that uh, two day, it was a two day ceremony that I just, <laughs> two nights in a row, which I'd never done before. The previous times with ayahuasca, I just did one, one evening ceremony kind of thing all night yeah in this case it was it was a, a rural part of quebec uh, away from you know, away from cities and such it was, it was a good setting and it was a pretty large group there was about 40 to 50 people in this so pretty large space and hence the entourage he had he needed um maybe it grew and shrank over time, but he had a core group of about six, six to eight people helping him, assisting him. If you've, if you've, if you ever taken ayahuasca before, you know it's, it's, uh, it can be extremely uh, potent, and uh, the effects on the human psyche, you know, the potential for healing. Yes, I. I yeah, that's a good that's a good question now. Uh, based on what I'm going to share with you, um, what's funny? I, I made the reservation, and a lot of things happen in the days and leading up to, and the day of the first ceremony, which happened to be. Are you ready for this? Drum roll, please. <laughs> yes, nine eleven, <laughs> September the eleventh. That should have been enough warning, right? <laughs> WGTN Guatemala. Hola! We are Satkirtan and Hariram from the School of Nod, located in the beautiful Sound Temple San Marcos on the shores of Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. We are pleased to announce that after a year and several months of hosting in person sound facilitator trainings, we are now offering our training course online. Yes, you are still welcome to join us here in the Sound Temple Dome for a three-week in-person experience that is truly transformational, as per the testimonies we have gathered from past students. However, if you are not able to travel here for whatever reason, we have good news for you. This past summer, we took the time to record and compile the 10 modules and all relevant resource material included in this 30-hour certification training and developed it as a comprehensive six-week online program. This program is a hybrid of pre-recorded materials along with live ceremony calls and ongoing support through a WhatsApp group chat. Several students have already completed the course, and the results they are witnessing in their professional practice have been extraordinary. We invite you to check out our testimonials from recent graduates to hear for yourself and visit our website to learn more. That's www.schoolofnod.com. We thank you for listening. Now, back to the podcast. WGTN Guatemala. September 11th, 2012. 
And I didn't really, I, it's weird, like I didn't realize until the day of, oh my God, I'm going to do an ayahuasca ceremony on 9-11-2012. I had a long distance to drive still, and there were all these other reasons for me not to go. For example, I, my, my bank card, I lost it, or some, for some reason it wasn't working, so I wasn't able to draw any money or to do any debit. And I had this long road trip, and I hadn't paid them for the ceremony. You know, these ceremonies, unfortunately, are not cheap. <laughs> um, yeah. In some cases, it almost feels like a business, the way I know ayahuasca ceremonies are priced now. Um, <laughs> that's another story. Uh, despite, this is, this is something that... Um, I like to return to sometimes from my youth. You know, I mentioned that that delinquent youth. I made some reference to that. You know, that's when I got into drugs, right? Plant medicines, you know, marijuana, hashish, mushrooms, LSD, things like. And of course, getting in trouble was natural for a teen at that age, doing all those different, putting all those substances in his body. Right, He's bound to get into some mischief, right? <laughs> And I was always blessed. I always somehow managed to avoid getting caught or persecuted. Until, of course, my luck ran out because it was bound to. And it, was, it had to, right? It had to. Because if, if it had, if had not ended when it did, maybe it would have got worse. You know, the, the odds tend to get worse. And maybe we're, we're looking at a life and death thing, you know, or a hard time. Because there, there was even a possibility of me going... To, to prison at the age of 17, you know, for a silly uh, crime, right? Under the influence of, yeah, drugs, some alcohol. The reason I go back there now is because of this, this, this stubbornness. And in fact, this, when I finally did get caught by the police, I had, basically I had three opportunities to walk away from any trouble, you know, from the crime scene, if you will. Uh, but each time I decided, no, I'm going to stick with the plan. Or, you know, <laughs> and that same persistence yeah, got me to the ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> you know, and I even had to borrow some money from somebody I hardly knew there. And all, all of these you know, things had to happen. And not knowing that I was going to have the most challenging double, right? Because I, I, I persistence again, I stayed for the second night, even though the first night almost killed me. It felt like I was going to die at times. The most intensely uh, challenging ceremony, both of them. Um, and it's worth mentioning that because it wasn't until the second night when I was really at my wit's end, because my nerves literally frayed, you know, from two night, two consecutive nights of borderline madness at times when when the master finally showed up it was on the second night which is which is interesting right because if he showed up on the first night i probably wouldn't have stayed for the second <laughs> it's, it's all perfect so basics of ayahuasca ceremony we're so supposed to prepare maybe i didn't do the best preparations in terms of diet you know <clears throat> things like that, meditation, what have you, to, to try and cleanse as much and purify before the ceremony. Right? 
so that it's not so when we, when we take this very pungent brew that it's not going to be so overwhelming, which it still, of course, can be, and it was in this case. Uh, part of my issue with ayahuasca, then, with any purgative kind of medicine, is that I, I never was at ease with vomiting, or even when I was a teenager, you know, having had drank too much, I remember feeling that nausea and still like not being able to throw up so easily. And that was part of my issue with this particular ceremony. It was that I, I knew right there was that some consciousness I, I have to release or I got burn right, and and it wasn't happening. So I felt like oh I'm going to bring upon myself even more suffering, you know. All these things can come up, you know. And again, as I said, I, I, it wasn't my first ayahuasca ceremony, and it was probably the worst. So the, in the sense of what visions I was having and and even more than that, the sense of losing control and losing consciousness. I'm still amazed that I, that I did I decided to stick around for the second session the very next night. And again, I didn't have money to pay for it. I had to I had to promise them and they were kind enough to say and probably I think some of them are probably thinking maybe you should go right. <laughs> I think some some of them were aware that I was struggling, um, of course, right? Because they're monitoring the the whole ceremony. It's it's not hard to tell which persons are having you know troubling experience during the ceremony. But they they allowed me to stay uh, on the promise of paying them later for the second ceremony. And I was afraid, like I said, because I, I wasn't able to sleep much that day. It was hot. I had a tent. Uh, there was no shade around the tent. So it was kind of like an, an oven inside my tent. <laughs> but I do remember that day, though. So it wasn't all back. So I remember that day feeling a lot of love for, for my family and close friends. And I remember getting on my phone at the time, my cell phone, my iPhone, and, and, and writing loving messages to friends and family, just telling them how much I love them. And maybe also it was some kind of uh, <clears throat> eulogy, <laughs> last will, it's about doing the second ceremony. And yet I had to, like there was just something in me, it's, you just have to do this, you know, because I was like, oh, man, I, the first one was so brutal and now I'm, exhausted from having been up all night, uh, not having such, you know. <laughs> and it seems like other people that stayed from the previous night uh, are all, of course, from my perspective, it seems that they're all in a much more peaceful, joyous place, kind of thing, <laughs> looking forward to it. And I'm kind of, in some ways, I'm dreading that second ceremony. And then, you know, dusk falls, of course, because we're, you know, we Option wait until after nightfall to begin, right? Mm -hmm. Sensory deprivation, huge part of shamanic ceremony, along with, um, in many cases, of course, these, these toxic plant medicine. And off we go. And um, yeah, it wasn't long before I, I was falling again. I was going into the abyss <laughs> and 
Hmm. It's just interesting. I, I don't know if I, there was, I, I, I can't remember if I was actually prayed to God or if there was some form of worship there because I, I know I was in trouble. I it felt like I was in trouble. But again, I, I, I felt why why I don't have a clear memory of, of prayer, of worship, it's because I felt out of control for the most part of both these symbols. Like I was just like being pulled along and, and being um, exposed to the shadow, my my shadow, the collective shadow. Uh, it, of course, it, it, it manifests in ways that look, makes it look like it's your own, you know. And we could even go as far to say it's it's the devil, it's Satan, who who's presenting this shit show because it's <laughs> there was something comical about it. That's one thing I remember about it very clearly. There was a comical aspect. Uh, and and if I hadn't been so exhausted and, and also you know just feeling and seeing some painful scenes and feeling it kind of in my gut, I probably would have been laughing even because it was it was comical in some ways like like a, a cartoon. You know, I was I was in this cartoon, I was kind of in it, and then sometimes pulling back, I was more of the observer, and then I'd be in it, the the subject object kind of thing. If that makes sense. And just as I said, but I think one of the one of the things that was really concerning uh, was that my my lack of awareness, like I would awareness would come back in clear, and I was like, good, you know, I feel like a sense of relief, but then boom, I'm gone again. I'm being pulled off in this direction, and barely aware, you know. So the reasons I don't like hospital surgery. I don't like the idea of being put under, you know. I like to be conscious. So, and then it happened. Um, but yeah, I think I was screaming because I attracted some, some of the uh, support staff, the entourage, were there at various times, blowing tobacco smoke around me, clearing it, you know, trying to support in various ways like that. Nothing was really helping. I, I was feeling desperate and depleted and overwhelmed. And then this sense of, am I ever going to come out of this? You know, I think that's why Terence McKenna, Terence McKenna said that if if you if you don't think that you've taken too much, you haven't taken enough. Yeah, those are the words of the the mass, master plant medicine uh, medicine man. Some many consider master Terence McKenna. And I get it, <laughs> that overwhelm, right? But is it really necessary or even helpful in some way? Looking back, I'm not sure. It's a subjective experience. There is a happy ending to, to this story, <laughs> as with the others you'll hear tomorrow and the next day. This is hours now, hours into the service, so it's getting close to dawn already. By this time, I'm completely wiped out, which means I'm I can barely sit up, and I'm I'm mostly unconscious. So I, when I, so when I come back to consciousness, it's even less frequent and and shorter gaps, right? And then and I'm gone again, so, you know. And then it happens. Jesus appears. <laughs> I see the face of Yeshua on the shaman. He's the the, the Belgian fellow. 
I found out later. I think the whole time, though, it's not him. It's it's Jesus. Because I'm having, but because I, I'm so uh, unconscious, I, I I don't even have really much connection. Because I, as soon as I see him, and he's sitting in front of me, he's holding my hand, which was which also seemed like an eternity. I have no idea if it was for twenty minutes or two hours. You know, because. I, well, mainly because I was going, I was losing, losing consciousness uh, continually. Right? So I would be kind of, I go out and I come back eventually, and then he's he's still there. He's looking at me, you know, he's gazing at me with those beautiful eyes, <laughs> and this beautiful radiance and the peace, the Prince of Peace sitting right by me, and I. <laughs> Thank you. I think maybe very sometimes I have some tears, but then I'm like, I'm still kind of like lost because part of me is still over there somewhere, and then I'm gone again. You know, and it continues like this, and each time he's there. That I think that's part of the beauty of, of that having going in and out of consciousness is that he's still there every time <laughs> I come back from another harrowing, you know, journey, some dark place. Like, Maybe the same dark place, right? Repetition. Uh, I come back and he's still there, holding my hand, firm, right? Just fully present, totally present with me. You know, the opposite. I'm totally <laughs> out of it and he's totally present. I feel all of his attention on me, <laughs> with me. And eventually, it happens. As I said, I don't know if it's two hours or how long it takes. Eventually, I don't leave. He stays until that moment. And then and then, then some. Because, he, because it's only at that moment when I'm no longer exiting, right, going back unconscious, that he speaks to me. <laughs> and I don't remember the exact words. Even and if they were spoken, you know, it's felt. The feeling is that you're you're fine, you're well. I'm I'm here. I'm here with you, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm so, I'll stay here as long as necessary for you. Imagine, <laughs> and for two consecutive nights, I've been like just going, oh, looks like you know, exploring what it feels like to be a psych, psych, having a psychotic break, like losing one's mind. He's like, I'm here for you. And I'm not going anywhere. It wasn't until like he, he really felt that that I had received his message and and and. And, and, the, and more importantly, the peace, that peace, the comfort that he offered, that he said to me, and now it's already past dawn because the light's coming in. <laughs> and he's exhausted now. Too. I, first time I really feel his tiredness. Right? Maybe that was more, it's, it's still that beautiful Christ energy saying, I'm going to lie down. He explains to me carefully. I'm going to lie down over there. He even shows me the direction 
He wants me to know exactly where he's going to be. <laughs> After spending all this time and right, saying, I'm not going here. He wants me to know that if you need me for anything, I'm right here. And I think at this point, so already, the tears, I have tears flowing. You know, the purest love. And that's when I knew that moment, look at all of that effort, all the crazy things that that stubbornness right, to get there when I didn't, couldn't even put gas in the car and everything, right, 9-11 or, <laughs> I went there for this moment with the Prince of Peace, Yeshua, Jesus. Are there any comments or questions? <laughs> That's okay. Well, we're, we're going to post this on the YouTube channel while, while we're, we're doing the live right now, School of Nod. And of course, uh, if you're listening at a later time, you can still comment. Or if you have any questions or comments, feel free to do so in the comments. It's a different comment, right? When it's live, it's the live chat thing. And then when it's published, it's a comment box. <laughs> yeah, YouTube's not perfect, but it's, thank God, right? Thank God for YouTube and Rumble and that we can share in this way. And this is all pointing towards, you know, in toward the, the last day on Tuesday when I come, when I finish the, this trilogy of stories of rescue <laughs> work by the master. Um, mm, Pointing towards several things, one, one of which is, is faith. And I think this is especially important for, for men who might be listening. Men and young men tend to struggle more with faith than, than women for a number of reasons, I think. I think it's shifting in a way with all the gender confusion, right? Yeah. A lot of women too, I'm sure there's women listening too who who have struggled with faith, keeping with faith, right? especially in times of, of struggle, yeah. When things aren't going so well, it's like <laughs> human nature, right? Just to ask or cry out, why? You know, God, where, where, where did you go? What happened? <laughs> I thought, <laughs> you know, And these are the times, of course, when, when we, we offer praise. Again, flip it. <laughs> Instead of, God, please, you take, you know, wanting to take something from God. <laughs> no, offer. <laughs> offer praise. And remembering, as in my case, I said, I, you know, just recently coming back to these miraculous moments, remembering these immaculate blessings in our lives that, that brought us to this point, but I even be alive right now without Jesus in my life, these critical moments. And, and the Holy Spirit itself for me is the life force. There is no life. I, it's interesting. Or it's a very dim life to the, to the degree that we, we reject God and the Holy Spirit. Because for me, there is no distinction, division between Holy Spirit and Chi, Prana, 
you know, if you want to use those the new age uh, hippie terms, right, that I'm coming from, are you starting to see this movement? <laughs> from, you know, like kirtan to worship. Hey, it's this kind of a similar structure. We're chanting the name of God. They're chanting the name of gods, usually, you know, plural, multiple gods, deities, right? We're singing to a god and the Holy Trinity right? and, and the, the angels, if you will, and beautiful hymns, songs in our own mother tongue too, which is so really fun. It is powerful. This, I think a big part of the faith is, is knowing, knowing that we are going to be challenged beyond our, our normal comfort zone, way beyond even as we open you know, God can be gentle sometimes when you know, <laughs> it doesn't have to be like a huge, right? Hopefully, if, if we're paying attention, it's, it's a more gentle expansion. Yeah, but sometimes we need that, right? This is the big, whoa, right? the gong, right? Hit that gong, right? This always brings me back to the, the God works in mysterious ways. We cannot predict. <laughs> we can make prophecies if we feel so inclined. We cannot predict God. <laughs> How arrogant. <laughs> so to become receptive. In this in this case, I was, you know, in a way like like the the the, the, the confident, you know, ambitious man who has to be pummeled, pummeled, like have every ounce of will you know of ego just pump right that's kind of what happened those two nights in quebec right with that pungent medicine i was pummeled for two nights until I, and then yeshua shows up and i'm like <laughs> and he's sitting there the whole time because every time i go out you know, i'm out right and he's back he's there he's still there he's still there, he's still there. So come back tomorrow night, well, 5.30 Eastern time, for part two. This, the second plant medicine journey actually involves psilocybin, also known as magic mushrooms. And in the adjoining state, the first one, Quebec, we go to Ontario, the state, the province where I grew up. And interestingly, uh, the final, the third day ceremony, we returned to Quebec, this time to my uh, forest retreat. So I hope you can join us for either or both of those and, uh, and thank you for listening until later. Let me, okay, I'll do a long time sometimes our tradition and now it even has more significance, more beauty because the it's about light. We start with the sun, the long time sun, right? the outer sun also representing God, even the Son of God, right? May the long time sun shine upon you. Intelligence, God light, Christ light, shine upon you always. And the second part, right? <clears throat> and the pure light within you, the pure light within you. Again, for me, it's, it's Christ light. You know, the purest light, brilliant light, 
guide your way on. So we're, we're protected above and within, as without, so within, yeah? Here we go. <laughs> Sing along. Making a long time sun shine upon you, Allah surround you, and a pure light within you guide your way. Made a long time sun shine upon you, Allah surround. And the pure light in you guide your way, guide your way, guide your way. Yes, I'll leave it with one more synchronicity. A movie just came out on my birthday <laughs> called, what's it called, Sakurt? Jesus Revolution. It's about this movement that happened when I was a kid in the, early, in the late 60s. The Jesus Revolution. And we, we downloaded a, like a pirate copy. We're going to watch it in early way. It's a really good story. So look for that too. We'll, we'll maybe talk about it some more. Thank you, Sakurtson Card. Thank you everyone watching. Blessings. May God bless you. We thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe so as not to miss a single episode. We depend on you, our listeners, to build and expand our audience, to share the nod. So, if you like what you hear, please do not hesitate to share with your friends, family, and community. Sat Nod.